Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Jacob Daniel here, uh, episode 88 of the Daniel 3 podcast, uh, back after a long hiatus, um, I've had some stuff going on and I'm going to get back into uh, a routine here. I got a lot of stuff to talk about, <laughs> both uh, going things going on with the channel, things going on with me personally, and then things that I just want to talk about uh, in the ever-growing crazy world around us. Um, I will start out with my sponsor, who I don't have a bottle of wine to uh, use as a prop, as usual. But um, as always, uh, Will Bell, a good friend of mine, and uh, definitely go check out rabbiteyewine.com for all your blueberry wine needs, support a libertarian small business. Um, So I wanted to get that out of the way. Obviously, uh, if you wanted to keep up to date with what's going on with the podcast and just the things that I'm doing, um, there's a few different ways to do that. Daniel318.com is uh, uh, a good way to keep up with the podcast and any updates. Um, Obviously, my Twitter handle, at BiblicalAnarchy. Yeah, now I'm... (laughs) You know, every once in a while, David, uh, you gotta. I'll put the comment up here. Every once in a while, you gotta do a reset. Um, and uh, oh crap! Hopefully, you guys can still hear me because apparently, when I put that comment up, it uh, it froze. Okay, I'm back. Hopefully that hopefully that didn't um, do anything in the stream. But yeah, sometimes you gotta do like a nice reset um, of of the beard. So this is definitely not my look. Um, but uh yeah you broke my stream uh so i had to uh i think i'm clipping a little bit there because you know i haven't been been uh 
podcasting in a while, uh, all my equipment was just like powered down and packed up and I had to kind of reset all the lights and everything. So it's, uh, um, I didn't have much of a chance to test it out, but it's all good. Um, but yeah, uh, Daniel318.com, uh, at Biblical Anarchy on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I just go by my actual real name on there, uh, Jacob uh, Jacob Daniel Winograd. I got to put the middle name in there because nobody knows my name. So I just figure if Jacob and Daniel and Winograd are there, covers most of the bases so that people can find me. Um, and uh, yeah, um, so I guess I'll start out with just stuff going on with me personally and kind of why I've been all over the place. I mean, obviously, back in May, my wife had our fourth child. And so I had a little bit of a break from pod the podcast during that time, which, you know, makes sense. You know, when uh, whenever your wife gives birth, it's kind of good to take some time off. But, you know, this was um, her fourth, our fourth child and her fourth giving birth to one of our child, our children within a like seven year span. So it pregnancy takes a lot out of a woman's body. And so I needed to make sure that I was, uh, you know, putting my family first and putting her first and being there to serve her as a husband, serve our, our family as a father, uh, during that time. Um, and then, um, sort of a, a complication from the pregnancy, my wife, uh, developed a, a blood clot, um, which is something that can happen as a, as a complication of, of pregnancy. And that's been a bit of an adventure just trying to get her, uh, healthy again. Um, cause she, she, she was having all these weird symptoms. And so we were going to the doctors and having all these tests done and trying to figure out what was going on. Cause she was having just these weird pains and, and like these tingling feelings. And, and sometimes she was like having, like these uh these like tremors and shaking and it was just a bunch of things and they would kind of come and go and we'd go to the doctors and they would they, you know they they didn't really think of a blood clot because that's something that you typically uh see in someone who's older my wife is is only 30 as am I and so uh it took a while to figure out the problem uh, but thankfully they have found the problem she's on uh, a treat. She's on a treatment plan now. The treatment itself has taken a lot out of her, and so it's just been one thing after another um, in our in our household. But luckily, we seem to be getting through the other side of it. Um, and there's been things going on in the background um, uh, that I've been working on with the podcast because, you know, if you're not, it's it's kind of like in business. You know, if you're not growing, if you're not expanding, then uh, if you're just kind of sitting still, then you're, you're, uh, uh, I mean, you're just not going to be successful in what your endeavor is going to do. You, we have to always be, it's kind of like that biblical, you know, uh, uh, idea, like go forth and multiply. And obviously that's about children, but I think in everything we do, uh, in, you know, we, we're supposed to do it unto the Lord and we should try to continue to improve and continue to find ways to, um, you know, get get better at our craft and and seek to put our skills and talents and giftings um, uh, out there in the way that God intends us to. So, um, you know, I've had a lot of fun on the the doing this podcast for uh, the past eighty seven odd episodes and and you know countless other appearances on other people's podcasts, and it's been uh, a very educational, very enriching 
experience. And I, I really didn't know what I was doing when I set out. You know, I just kind of was like, I knew that I had things that I wanted to talk about with other people. And I knew that there were ideas that I wanted to flesh out that were going to be better done in a podcast format. I mean, one of the things that I, I remember really taking away from watching and consuming the like hundreds of hours of Jordan Peterson lectures and, and interviews and conversations um, and his, and his books and stuff is that, you know, conversations are sort of, you know, what we, and, and free speech in general is not just something that you need um, for like, you know, personal liberty. And obviously it's important to have freedom of speech for personal liberty and to be able to criticize uh, the government and to be able to, to criticize corporations and businesses and individuals, uh, et cetera. But it's also like, you know, trying to work out problems in your head um, just just isn't enough. We need to be able to, you know, whether it's through writing, uh, whether it's through uh, conversations in real time or whether it's through um, podcasting or formal debates and et cetera. I think these are, uh, you know, conversations um, in these different formats um, are ways in which we work out problems, ways in which we, we grow and learn as human beings. And so this podcast has really helped me to crystallize, you know, a lot of things in terms of my, my uh, theological beliefs, uh, helping me to grow stronger in my faith in, in God and in Christ and, and diving deep into the Bible. Uh, it, it's also helped me learn uh, to... I don't know to uh, how how to do a podcast. You know what I mean. I, I learned uh, more of the production side of things and sort of learned uh, a, a little bit of what works and what doesn't work. Um, learned to network a little bit, and uh, you know I think on on top of that, you know I tried to you know uh, one of the things I value as a uh, as a Christian as a as a libertarian is consistency and. Um, I feel like when I started out on this on this journey that and I don't know if anyone can can relate to this, but I, I feel like um, when I started out on this journey, I was like I had a lot of different hats. It was like who I was as a father and who I was as, as a wife, as a, as a husband, as a wife. Gosh, it's 2022. I can be a wife if I want to be. Don't don't get on my case. Uh, who I am as a husband, uh, who I am as a Christian, and like who I was as a libertarian and my political beliefs. Um, these things were not integrated. I wasn't like one whole person. Rather, I had um, all these kind of different um, buckets or different hats that I would wear, and I'd have to change the the costume I was wearing um, depending on the context that I was I was in. And that wasn't so much like a conscious, like intentional choice. It was just because that I didn't have like one unified theory of of being and of belief, you know, and this podcast has helped to integrate all of that to where, you know, who I am as a person is informed my, by my religious beliefs and my religious beliefs. I can draw a straight line from my religious beliefs into my political beliefs and I no longer feel like I have to kind of like shift into these different personas anymore. Um, rather I feel like, you know, I mean, and not that I've achieved any kind of level of perfection and not that I don't still have, you know, more to learn and more room to grow because I, I believe that we're always doing that. Um, but, but I think I have a foundation in which, uh, 
you know, it, it, I've I've I'm, I've built the house upon a steady foundation, and now it's ready for doing the work that God wants me to do and to build even more on top of that foundation. And I feel like it's a solid foundation rather than, you know, kind of the shaky ground, I think, that I was maybe starting out on um, because I, I didn't have, you know, that, that sort of, uh, you know, foundational consistency across all those different spheres, you know, personal life, religious life, and, and sort of like political uh, beliefs. And, uh, and and having those in the right order. So that that's all very important. And so... Um, you know, and I, I don't want to just be another libertarian podcast. You know, I want to bring something to the table that brings value to the people who come and listen uh, to me speak. You know, I mean, I don't I don't need to go out there and be, you know, a worse version of Scott Horton or a worse version of Dave Smith or a worse version of Jose Galison. You know what I mean? It's like I, I need to I need to either figure out a way to be. Jacob Daniel or Jacob Winograd or whatever my name is, and and to bring a unique uh, perspective and unique information and unique value to people from the the work that I do. And so um, part of what I've been doing in this hiatus, aside from taking care of uh, my wife and my family and kind of getting my house in order, is trying to figure out like what the next step of the podcast is because up until now um mo- I'd say like 95% of the episodes and the content that I was producing has been interview form where uh I bring someone on the show and I either have a conversation with them about something we find to be, you know, mutually interesting or mutually of, of value um or maybe something that we uh disagree on um, or I'm interviewing them because they're an interesting person and I want to, um, you know, have them on my show. Some, sometimes it's, you know, if I have Dave Smith on my show, it's because it's like, you know, he's a very popular voice in our movement and I'm hoping to, you know, have, have him on my channel to, to bring something to the sort of like audience that I have and the sort of, you know, flavor of, you know, libertarian podcasting that I try to do. Um, but obviously, you know, someone like that, you know, coming in who has a much bigger platform and reach, um, in history than I do, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just, I don't want that to be all that I do. And I kind of fell into a habit of doing that week after week. And not only is that, I think at, at some, at some point I feel, I felt like I was a one trick pony and I, I, I felt like I was too dependent on just trying to get other people on my show to say things rather than just putting out the content and the things that I wanted to say. Um, but also it's like, um, I think there's, there's something about, uh, doing that. That's sort of like, it's, it's, it's one thing at the beginning to do that, to help, you know, kind of grow my, my reach and whatnot and to, uh, those conversations were, again, like I was saying before, useful for helping me to figure out how to connect all these pieces in the correct way. Uh, but but now that I've done that, I feel like I can't just keep doing the same thing. You know, there has to be a transition, and I'm still going to have people on the show and, and do those kind of episodes, but I want to be able to uh, go deeper into a lot of the topics that I want to talk about and not feel like I have to have somebody on in order to, to do those topics. So, um, 
the next phase of this project that I that I that I've kind of put together is in the works. I can't uh, unveil it completely yet, though. So, um, and I'm not trying to do this as like a gotcha where it's like I'm like stringing people along because like I don't that that's not my intention. But just because it hasn't been formalized yet, and I mean it's kind of been formalized in the background, uh, you know. The, the sort of like transition that's going to happen here, but it's not ready to be unveiled yet. It'll be soon though. Um, November 11th, I can say is the date that I will be able to come out and basically uh, announce um, what changes are happening. Um, so definitely, I mean, this, I, I will say, you know, just to, to be clear, this stream, this channel is not going away. Um, so it, it does it's not like you're going to, uh, you know, uh, m miss out on this or have to go, uh, you know, unsubscribe from this or whatever. I definitely want you to stay tuned in here because I, uh, I'm going to keep this going. Uh, but I'm, I, I guess the most I will let slip is that this is no longer going to be the only spot that you're going to see me on. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Um, definitely be staying tuned. I'm going to do a, a few more uh, live streams and 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 uh, episodes between now and then um, that'll kind of transition this this uh, uh, podcast into what I want it to to be going forward. And uh, and yeah, then you, if you stay tuned, um, you'll be able to see the announcements and stuff. And in the, in the link of this video, after I don't have the link yet, but um, at the after this is is done being streamed and I, I can go back and edit it um, I'm gonna put into the comment section a link that you can use to uh, go to my website and sort of subscribe to be ready for the next thing that's coming you know um, so uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm very excited for that it's a very big thing that I, that uh, I've been working on for the last couple months and I'm really, really excited to share this with you guys once that time comes because it's going to be, uh, again, kind of like like I'm saying, it, it's going to be a way that I can expand the, I think, good foundation I've already built here and, and to be able to take that next step into doing uh, more work in trying to push out the, the sort of like, you know, Christian libertarian message that I've been trying to, to push out there so um, I'll leave it at that and definitely stay tuned and the, the those announcements and updates will be coming down uh, the pipeline so to speak anyway um, let me see uh, you guys were talking a little bit so I'll see what uh <laughs> what you all were saying because I can't read and talk at the same time uh audio good how many kids do you have now if it's five plus you get a free pass into catholicism i'm at four so um uh i'll i'll have to work on i'll have to work on that fifth um although i, I don't know if uh <laughs> i don't know if my wife is on board for another one after some of the complications she she's had after this one but uh you know we, we might be taking a break for the moment but um, you know, whatever is in God's plan for us is is what's going to happen. And we love kids. I mean, we were kind of thinking about waiting a few years to have a fifth one. I think she's a little bit less keen on it now, but like I said, you don't know what the future holds. So, 
Um, and I appreciate the prayers. Um, like I said, she's doing a lot better now, but it was it was definitely rough when we didn't know what was going on. Um, so we're definitely uh, at least happy with you know, and, and the, she, the clot's still there, and she's on blood thinners and stuff that are, that are going to break it up, and uh, that could take a- anywhere from a few weeks to a few months or more. So um, let's see, uh, do a Bible reading. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that's something uh, that that would be interesting to do is to maybe uh, I, I I like that kind of thing. I don't know if a Bible reading is a great podcast. You know that that is that is something I've considered, and I guess people can let me know what their thoughts are. Um, you know, I do have a Patreon. You know, if you go to Patreon dot com slash Biblical Anarchy, uh, if you want to subscribe. Um, you know, w- one of the perks I've considered doing, you know, cause a lot of people will do like private, uh, zoom calls or chats with their, with their Patreon supporters. And, you know, that was something I was considering doing was, you know, if I built up big enough of a, of a group of, of private supporters is, you know, doing a, you know, sort of like Bible study, uh, behind the scenes that so we could record for ourselves maybe, but I don't know if that's something I would necessarily want to do as content just because like, when you, it's one thing to have a conversation about big picture ideas or to pick like a topic that you've sort of, you know, uh, you know, maybe maybe a section of the Bible that you've kind of researched and done careful exegesis on and you want to talk about in a podcast form. But a, but a, a Bible reading, I mean, on one hand, it's like if I'm just reading it, not adding my own commentary, uh, I don't know if I was going to have a couple people on and do, you know, cause I, I know like Jose and Caleb and other people, they'll do like the live readings of different books. Um, now I've considered doing live readings of some Christian libertarian literature. Uh, that might be something I do down the road, but live readings of the Bible, I think, you know, generally you want to do that in more of a Bible study sort of fashion. And I don't know if that would be the best content for a podcast because you, you, you don't want to, Sometimes when you're in a Bible study, like, it's a bit of a journey, and when you're studying Scripture, because I have such a high view of Scripture, I don't want to necessarily, like, I don't know, it's it's sort of like, what's that saying, like, people don't want to know how the how the soup is made, it's like, and, you know, sometimes it, you have those awkward moments along the way in a Bible study where people are, you know, exploring different things, and 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 trying to understand something and i don't know it, it it could be good content or maybe it would just be a good uh you know a good sort of community building thing for supporters uh if i get enough people that would be interested in doing that so um i don't know i mean it, it's something i'll definitely think about um i definitely also would like to do some live readings of different christian libertarian um literature um you know there's like the letters by c.s lewis um i mean i'm sorry there's letters from J- from uh, uh j.r tolkien um about his thoughts on government and anarchy um you know and there's stuff c.s lewis has written as well uh there you know writings from christian uh anarchists in the past you know you know that th- they would be cool to go into uh the kingdom of god is within you and like uh tolstoy I mean, there, there's so many people that you could go back and and do readings of either their personal writings or or things uh, that they 
uh, you know, fiction or nonfiction things they, they've written. So, you know, those are things I, I definitely think will be part of the channel at some point. Um, you should read volume one, Rothbard's history of economic thought. Um, volume one. Hi, I've, I've never read that. Um, I'm still trying to get, I'm right now I'm reading the progressive era. Um, that's, that's what I'm, uh, that, that's what I'm currently reading out of, out of Rothbard. So maybe when I, maybe when I finish that, I will, uh, look into, I, I just, I have so many books I have, and I don't have my bookcase behind me anymore, but I just have, I have so many books that I want to read and I have so little time to read. Most of my time reading is like, uh, late at night and I have like either the, the baby or the second youngest, like asleep on my shoulder and there's very little light in the room and I'm like trying to you know get my phone light or like the light from the kitchen to just shine on the book correctly and <laughs> and and get a few pages in it's it's real tough and I I'm really bad about I can listen to a podcast while I'm working all day long but audiobooks are just man they're so hard to listen to while I'm working I can do them when I'm driving but I have a somewhat long commute but um, but while I'm working, it's, it's hard for me to listen to an audiobook and to retain what I'm listening to. Um, but yeah, definitely lots of stuff that I want to read and, um, and, and there's definitely, you know, that's, that's something I'm, I'm going to want to do too, is have people, uh, submit things to me that they want me to react to, whether it's, uh, things by Rothbard or things by Christians, um, uh, you know, it could be it could be like libertarian pieces. It could be things within the world of of Christianity that people have written uh, that perhaps you know I should do a, an episode on and respond to. And I, I kind of got this idea from listening to Dave Smith, and like he does this this thing all the time where people will attack libertarianism, and he'll take their articles or their podcast segments, and he'll uh, you know basically just like you know crap on them for. 45 minutes to an hour and and kind of like tear apart all their arguments and so i thought about doing that but more you know on the on the christian libertarian thing i want to go back it's a bit old but i i remember when michael knowles of the daily wire had michael malice on to go over the anarchist handbook and they got to like tolstoy and you know tolstoy just wasn't somebody that that knowles was going to really respect uh, as you know, from a theological perspective, and I, I thought about going back and trying to debunk some of the uh, the things Knowles said there in terms of criticizing Christian uh, anarchism. So, um, th- that kind of content is, are things I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely, uh, I don't have anything actively planned, but there's things, th- th- those things are on my mind uh, that I, I definitely want to do. What are my top five favorite books? Okay, so uh, this is tough because it's like, do you go fiction or nonfiction or mix the two? And it's kind of like evaluating books is so different because, like, you know, the criteria for fiction versus nonfiction is so different. Um, And so I don't know if I'll do both. I, I guess for fiction... I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, Lord of the Rings um, trilogy and also, uh, uh, let's see, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, you know, definitely, definitely in terms of fiction, those books are near the top. Um, 
I, this is funny. I, I remember like growing up, Harry Potter was such a uh, uh, like controversial thing within the evangelical world. But I really like the Harry Potter series, um, even though it, I mean the first few books are geared more towards children, but they they do mature as the series advances. And I can't help but just see all of the Christian um, imagery uh, and, and and Christian mythology that's just baked into. Uh, J.K. Rowling's universe there. Um, now I know, you know, later on, then it's it's like I I I try to just take it as it was written. I, I kind of deny the whole like post hoc Dumbledore is gay, and I don't really pay attention to the the uh, the Hollywood is the the how would you say ho- Hollywoodization of the series and the movies and the fantastical beast series and all that uh if you just take the original seven books as they were written and you know don't don't get weighed down by the uh uh some of the things that try to get added on later to it there's a lot there that i think is great um let's see other fiction books um i really love it it's it's kind of an obscure book um but the author probably isn't that obscure um Frank Peretti, uh, I, I remember reading like every Frank Peretti book that existed growing up, and he's a kind of like a pretty popular Christian uh, fiction author. He kind of writes sort of like Christian, I wouldn't say it's Christian horror, but it's kind of like, it's kind of close to that. It's like the things he writes are like, you know, people who are confronting things that are like either explicitly or, or borderline demonic, but you know the 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 people who cling to Christ or the people who find God in their experiences are overcoming what's what's going on and so uh there's a lot of Frank Pretty books I love I remember the book called The House uh I think is one of my one of my favorite fiction books of all time that that he wrote um and then if I'm going to pick a fifth one I don't know I'm trying to think of a fifth fiction book um uh what's the name of the book there was a book uh the blue sword another fantasy but i was most of the fiction i read is fantasy so that that's the other, only other fantasy book i remember reading and really getting into there, there's a lot out there that i love but those are the five that first immediately came to mind uh with nonfiction, um it's going to be obviously mostly libertarian stuff um you know obvious although not not all of it i would say 12 Rules for Life is definitely one of my favorite nonfiction books of all time. You know, I, I I haven't liked Jordan's new book as much as his first one, to be completely honest. The, the 12 More Rules and an, the Antidote to uh, Order or whatever it is. It's, um, or no, Beyond Order. I, don't, I mean, it's not bad. I, I've, I haven't finished it yet. I got like a third way through it. It just wasn't as captivating as his, fir- his first book. Uh, but Twelve Rules for Life is a is a fantastic read that's not ex- explicitly libertarian, but I think has a lot of implicit, you know, Christian and libertarian truths uh, embedded within it. And then, um, obviously, I guess uh, uh, you know I've read For a New Liberty, um, that that uh, an, an Anatomy of the State. Beyond uh, trying to think, not just going Rothbard over and over again. Um uh the I never I haven't read uh Human Action, but I read the one that 
Murphy did that's like a summary of it. Choice, yeah, choice is a good one. Um, there's a good what? What's the name of the book? Um, I can't think of the name of this other book, but uh, Faith Seeking Freedom by the Libertarian Christian Institute. That's what it's a really short book, but it's kind of like imagine Anatomy of the State, but the Christian version, <laughs> um, almost. And so that's a really good, uh, really good read as well. Um, I don't know if that's five, but that's close enough. I mean, there's just, there's so much, uh, so much out there. There's one I'm reading right now and I can't think of the name of the title. Um, but it, it, it's something, what is it? It's something like biblical authority after Babylon, um, or no, after Babel, sorry. Uh, which is a really interesting read. And the the book's kind of like two-tiered. Like the uh, part of the book is sort of a Protestant defense. It's sort of like, uh, a, like, a, like a very thoughtful Protestant going, hey, um, the Protestant Reformation and the fruits of it kind of suck. <laughs> and we have to, if we're going to not be Catholics, we need to contend with that. So part of it is that, but part of it's also kind of like a very refreshing... Um, you know, biblically, so far it seems very biblically based um, uh, exploration of what, like, biblical, what the Bible says about authority, what biblical authority and what godly authority looks like. And I'm not the whole way through it yet, so I can't give a complete, um, a, a complete review of it. Um, but but so far, it's 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 a pretty, uh, it's a pretty thoughtful read. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely. Um, when I'm finished reading that, maybe go into that because there's, there's a lot there. Um, book recommendation, uh, Religious Freedom in a Secular Age by Michael F. Byrd. Uh, okay, you'll have to look into that. Um, so, let me take a drink here. Ah, I'm still getting over a cold here, so y'all have to excuse me while I... Uh, mute my mic and blow my nose because otherwise I'm going to start uh, <laughs> it's going to get hard for me to speak give me alright that's better alright so um, yeah if you guys have any more questions or comments keep them coming I'll try to keep responding um, throughout the stream I'm going to go for another 20-25 minutes here um, but there, there's definitely a lot that's happened over the last, uh, you know, month, two months that I've kind of been taking my hiatus on that I've wanted to get into and, um, and talk about. So, and, and kind of what I'm going to do here is actually go back. I'm pulling up my Twitter profile here. I'm going to go back and sort of jog my memory and look at the things that I've retweeted or responded to. Cause a lot of it, are, you know, are things that I haven't been able to go go super deep on that I want to go super deep on so let me give this a minute while it loads one thing that comes to mind while this is loading is Tulsi Gabbard and man that's been the whole thing with Tulsi Gabbard has been really interesting to watch unfold because like there there's part of me that like really 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 wants to identify with Tulsi because she reminds me of me when I was when I was on the left, um, and, I, and I've seen some people say she's not very principled, and it's like, well, I mean, 
other than libertarians, who is really principled. I mean, not to toot our own horns, but like a lot of people are, you know, they're they're not ideologically based in terms of like, or I mean, they're they're ideologically based. But they're not like their ideology doesn't stem from sort of like a first principle um, approach that I think something like libertarianism does. Um, so yeah, I mean, people on the left, on the right, tend to be very unprincipled and very. Um, you know, fair, fair weather in terms of, you know, their, their views kind of changing by what is expedient or what is politically advantageous at the time. Um, but th there's something about Tulsi, just her personality and just like the way that she's kind of been like the outcast among the left. And that's how I kind of always felt when I was on the left, you know, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And even there I wasn't, I didn't perfectly fit in, um, you know, just because I, I felt like, I did want to have that consistency and, you know, I didn't, I, and, you know, I guess this was, this was at the time I didn't realize that this was like the inner libertarian, um, in me, but I didn't want to just go along with like blind party allegiance. I actually wanted to stand on principle and I, I like, I get the criticism that Tulsi doesn't have principles. Um, but I've always felt like Tulsi has, a couple core moral principles that she's always wanted to stand by and that have caused her to sort of clash against the establishment, especially on the democratic side, but, but including Republicans as well that she's, um, gone, gone toe to toe with. Um, I know some people are really hard on her right now because of that. And I forget the guy's name, the endorsement of the Republican in New Hampshire. Um, and I, I've listened to Reed's take on that and, I know he intends to try to ask her about it. I don't think that's happened yet to my knowledge. Um, but it's it's definitely uh yeah, it's definitely frustrating. Um I I really uh I really hope that the endorsement is some kind of oversight or that there's something there that we're not seeing because I really want to believe that Tulsi is somebody that is trending towards us and that we you know, c can represent, you know, I guess not a good Democrat anymore, but even if she doesn't become a libertarian, just be another one of those people, kind of like a, a Jimmy Dore or a, or a, a Glenn uh, Greenwald who just, you know, represents what, a, what the left should be. Like if there are going to be people who are not libertarian and you're going to have something like a good leftist, you know, people like Tulsi in my mind, you know, should, should, uh, carry that torch and I really want to support her in that endeavor and it, it it's really frustrating I'm trying to be charitable um, but it's uh, it, it is definitely uh, uh, a little bit perplexing uh, that endorsement uh, see someone asked in your opinion what will abortion laws look like in five years yet yeah, oof man um, I don't know uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that to some extent we're going to end up a bit more like Europe. I, I think, I think Roe being overturned has helped to stir up a deep, uh, analysis of what the legal bedrock of this issue is and like what's the easiest choice you can make 
window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What laws were on the table and what laws should be on the table. And, you know, obviously as an anarchist, I don't really, and I tend to butt heads with some of the pro-life libertarians because I, I tend to be just, I mean, I'm, I'm as pro-life as it gets and I, I'm really sympathetic to the pro-life minarchist or even the pro-life anarchist who says like, listen, you know, the state sucks at everything, but I can't, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't be content with the state doing nothing on the issue of abortion. I'm I'm sympathetic to that. I'm just I'm so black pilled on the government effectively solving anything that I, I I'm just not able to really get motivated to fight that battle and to be optimistic about uh, the legal system being part of the actual solution to the issue of abortion. Um, that said, if there's going to be a legal system and it's going to involve with abortion, I obviously I feel free to I, I, I feel no conflict in chiming in on what I think is better or worse <laughs> in that sphere. And I'm hoping we end up a bit more like Europe where, you know, I think what people didn't realize is that really in America across the states, even the states that people think abortions have heavily regulated, like it's really not. Um, that's both, tr- and that's true both before and after the repeal of Roe. Um, and really in Europe, there's a lot more laws on the books regarding abortion than there are in a lot of the states here. Um, you know, it's pretty much unheard of and impossible in a lot of European countries to have an abortion before, uh, I mean, after 15 weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, which obviously in a moral sense, that's still a problem for me. I don't, I, I don't like celebrate that there's abortions happening before the 15 week mark. But at the same time, that's a lot better than a lot of places here where it's very unrestricted up to even 40 weeks or beyond. So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that we're going to have a bit of like decentralization, which I think will be good. Um, but I think it's going to have to, at some point, like people are going to cave into the, the admission that like just abortion on demand at any point in that 40 week period is just like, there's no consistent pro choice argument for that. 
that that doesn't just like really just get become depraved. I mean, I can distinguish between someone like I remember like Dave Rubin is someone on the right, quote unquote, who takes more of a, I guess, like liberal view on abortion where he says like he wants it banned post 12 weeks. And that's that's very that looks that's not something that most people on the right would agree with. They would want it, you know, banned all the way back to, I mean, you know, just just a blanket ban, a, a blanket ban, except for like the life of the mother. And and Dave Rubin doesn't do that. But Dave Rubin's position compared to the, mo- the modern Democratic left and compared to what many states have on the books is a lot better than what we have now. So I don't know it. I don't want to make the perfect the enemy of the good. And I think you're going to see, obviously, left-wing states have much more open, lax abortion laws than right-wing states. But I do think, in general, we're going to see uh, a general trend in the direction of more restrictions, at least uh, post-12 or post-15 weeks, uh, regarding abortion. And I think some of that will be good. You know, I, I am somewhat concerned about maybe some of the excesses or some of the uh, potential pitfalls that could come into play there in terms of handing the government power that we don't want um, uh, because, you know, the the further back you go, the more we're begging the question in terms of like, well, if you ban abortion, let's say at like six weeks— how do you enforce that? Because a lot of the abortions happening at six weeks are just done with a pill. So you're, you're going to create a black market of abortion pills, and you're going to create um, that, and you're going to create an incentive, an incentive structure where the way to enforce a ban on abortion at that time is a war against abortion, similar to a war against drugs. And you'll have, you know, kind of like a snitch culture, and you'll have. Um, you know, an increase in the surveillance state and an increase because it's one thing to, you know, search people's cars for drugs. But it's another thing, you know, when we're talking about abortion, it's like now we're, you know, we're opening up the door for things like miscarriages and pregnancies to be, you know, highly scrutinized and highly regulated by the state and even if it doesn't go completely dystopian it's just not something i'm super comfortable with and that all you know and i'll make every caveat with that that i'm you know abortion is a moral abomination and i'm not you know i'm I'm not like one of those libertarians who would be like you know triggered or, or morally outraged at the idea of like a state government banning abortion the whole way back to Concept, you know, just the the minute the minute of conception, you know, there's no way out. You know, uh, you know, abortion at one week or two weeks or four weeks is, is instantly illegal. You know, I'm I'm not morally triggered by that in a way that some libertarians would be. And I always I hate this issue because it's like people want to confuse rhetoric and praxis, right? And it's like my praxis will sometimes be confused to be to mean that my position is the same as like a pro-choice or, or the same as maybe like a more stereotypical libertarian who is against the government banning abortion. But the problem is I don't, I don't carry water for that rhetoric. I don't carry water for like the, you know, the woman's right to choose. And, you know, it's the, the woman's right to 
own her body and control her medical decisions. It's like I don't I don't believe in any of that. I I believe it's I believe abortion is 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 morally reprehensible. Um, but uh, I just don't want to confuse like moral ontology, I guess, or or moral uh, rhetoric with you know moral praxeology in terms of like you know you know we've established what is right and wrong then a conversation has to happen about how do we solve the problem and um that that that's the way i look at it and people often want to like make those conversations the same thing and they're just not um so uh i lost my screen here give me a second um but yeah, that was I didn't put the comment up. But yeah, what is that? That was the question there. What, in your opinion, what will the abortion laws look like in five years, um, and how do you see the election going this year? I would say, I, I haven't done enough following trends in enough states to really honestly answer that question. Um, I think there, insofar as I can tell, there's a lot of states where people are being given two really crappy options. Like here in PA, for example, it's like, you know, uh, like I know with our, our, our Senate election, it's like Oz or Fetterman. <laughs> and then you have like, uh, for the for governor, it's like Shapiro or uh, um, what's his name? I can't remember the name of the other guy. Um, Ma- Ma- uh, Matriano. Um just like no one's excited about, I think, and I don't think this is true in every state, or it could be. I just haven't looked into every state. It seems like there's so many states where people are just like no, no one is really like there. The candidates on the table are not galvanizing the bases on either side. Is my that's kind of like my my uh, my gut reaction to the little that I have seen. So I really don't know. I think the problem is when the Republican base is not galvanized to vote. Studies have shown that, statistically speaking, the the Democratic base just shows up to vote uh, on average more than the Republican base. So in the areas where the candidates just both suck, you know, I mean, hopefully the Libertarian Party can make some noise and um, have you know, candidates that cover the spread or that, you know, maintain ballot access and, you know, maybe, maybe you know, make some rhetorical ground and, and win some people over. But in terms of who's going to win the two parties and if we're going to have a red wave or, or, you know, a blue surge, um, I think I think my worry is that, you know, Roe being overturned is still enough of a galvaning um, rallying cry to galvanize the left and if you don't have a really strong candidate on the right in different positions in these states, that I don't, I just, I worry that the 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 Republican base isn't going to be motivated enough to show up in force um, to do much. I mean, so I mean, if I had to guess, I would say we're probably going to maintain some kind of you know equilibrium between the two parties in terms of the. Uh, you know the the, the legislator and the, the legislature in in Washington and in individual states. It's you know um, again I don't know enough to know each individual state's um, 
specific candidate. So, um, but of the states that I have seen, it does seem to be like, you know, both candidates suck, and that tends to favor the Democratic Party. Um, it, it, you know, as far as the studies I have seen. Um, so, going back to Twitter here, um, let me scroll down and see what news I've looked at and responded to. See, this was Tulsi, and I... Oh, okay, so here's one. Um, Dave Smith, back on... This was a couple weeks ago. Um, I forget who he endorsed. He endorsed a Republican candidate. Was it in Colorado? or in, uh, I forget what state it was. Um, but... And obviously, he's been in support of DeSantis in Florida. And so he made a tweet, which got a lot of, a um, couple tweets that got a lot of, uh, con you know, uh, pushback from people within the, the LP. Um, he said, I joined the LP and will <clears throat> still support Liberty Republicans. I'm not the only one. Maybe you need to hear that. He said this to, uh, to, to Hector Ruth because he said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Libertarians don't join uh at lp national to support liberty republicans um you know maybe i'm going to screen share this um my, my twitter profile because it just might help um crap i forget how you do screen share on uh on Streamyard. give me a second here uh camera uh virtual background how do you how do you screen share I know how to screen share on on Zoom. I don't know how to screen share on. It's been a while since I've done it on Streamyard. Um, nah, I'm not gonna waste too much time trying to figure it out. I can't. I can't remember it. If someone in the comments knows how to do it on Streamyard, let me know. I'm a I'm a boomer with technology sometimes. <laughs> um. But yeah, it was Hector Roos for Florida and Governor at Roos for Florida saying, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Libertarians don't join LP National to support Liberty Republicans. And then Dave said, I joined the LP and I will support uh, Liberty Republicans and I'm not the only one. Um, and I, I got to say, I, I uh, strongly, strongly agree with Dave here. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about this other Republican candidate that Dave has endorsed to know if I would agree with him on that endorsement. So I'm not going to go so far as to um, agree with Dave, you know, on every endorsement he's made, but just, just the, uh, the, the general concept of, uh, you know, endorsing Liberty Republicans. I mean, I think to play the libertarian third party game and, and just play it, the same way that the old regime did just makes no sense. Um, if you're going to play this game, I think that you need to be strategic about it. I think you need to decide on a case-by-case -case basis, whether it's a federal election or a statewide election. Um, I think local elections, there's not many instances where you're not better off supporting the libertarian candidate. Um but even there, I think you need to just be open-minded on a case-by-case -case basis, um, you know, as to what the what the best move to advance liberty is. Again, I've said this before, but the Libertarian Party 
you know, the, the old regime used to say that the, the point of the Libertarian Party, the goal, the mission is to elect libertarians to office, to run libertarians for office and to get them elected to office. And I, I still strongly disagree that that is the goal. To me, this is confusing the ends with the means. The means or the praxis of the Libertarian Party in terms of like the, um, I mean, to use an analogy here, it's like, uh, what is the ends and what is the means of Batman, right? Let's use Batman for an example. So to say that the purpose of the Libertarian Party is to run candidates for office to win public office is like saying that the purpose of Batman is to throw batarangs at people and to use his grappling hook to, you know, maneuver around the city. Like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the point of Batman. The point of Batman is that he's trying to stop crime, is that he's trying to protect innocent people from criminals, and he's trying to punish criminals to make his city a safer place to live. The point of the Libertarian Party, then, is not its means. It's not, you know, the, me that, that's the, the means of the Libertarian Party is running people for office. I would say that that's one of the, you know, sort of tools in the utility belt. Like, Batman has his utility belt, right? You know, it's the, he's famous for that. He's got his batarangs. He's got his grappling hooks. He's got, you know, all sorts of different different gizmos and gadgets in it and i i view the libertarian party kind of the same way we have we can run people for public office we can use our official party status and as you know at the national and state levels and even the county levels to put out a message into the public sphere um you know uh whether that's through social media or through the press or by taking the streets um and engaging with the community. Um, I think that, um, trying to think of what other things the Libertarian Party can do, um, I think that the Libertarian Party can educate through, uh, you know, funding different endeavors um, and campaigns that are more, not like political campaigns trying to get someone elected, but like pushing issue campaigns. And I think that the new... Uh, leadership has done a good job at that on things like defend the guard and cryptocurrency and whatnot. And so there's a lot of different, uh, you know, tools in the utility belt of, of Batman and the Libertarian Party. But you don't describe the purpose of the party by describing the means. No, the means go towards the end. The purpose of the Libertarian Party is to advance the cause of liberty. It's to help increase liberty and the knowledge of liberty and the number of people who are either liberty leaning on certain issues at the very least, at the very least, or who are libertarians. Um, that's the goal of the Libertarian Party. Um, and so that means just like Batman has to, you know, uh, know what tool to use in each given situation, the Libertarian Party needs to, um, with every situation, decide what the right course of action is. And I'm sorry, but like if Justin Amash was still running for Congress today, despite me having some very strong uh, disagreements with Justin Amash, 
it would be stupid to run a libertarian against an LP candidate against Justin Amash. Just like it'd be stupid to run someone against uh, Massey or if Ron Paul was still in office. Um, I've had mixed feelings about Rand Paul, but I, I think even there it would be stupid to run someone against Rand Paul. Um, I think it'd be stupid to run somebody against Tulsi Gabbard, even for her flaws, um, if she was running for you know Senate or uh, you know some some sort of uh, statewide position. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think Dave is a hundred percent correct on this, and I it, it's really frustrating to see people within the Mises Caucus sphere who were just kind of parroting the old talking points of the old guard, um, and I, you know I think we need to be better than that. I think we need to be more sophisticated than that. Um, so let me we're already at an hour. But I'm going to go a little bit longer just because I have a little bit of time here. Oh, where something just popped into my head. People uh, in the in the Mises Caucus uh, hater sphere keep on going on with this narrative that the Mises Caucus people were booing Mises at Reno because they had never heard or read Mises, which I which I think is a disingenuous take. Just to cover that quickly, because. One, it's kind of like, all right, although there were a lot of Mises quotes that were read there, it's still in the grand scheme of things, the amount of content of me of Mises that Justin read is like a drop in the bucket of a, no, it's like a, a drop in a ocean compared to all the things that Mises has said in all of his different books and writings. And to act like, if you're going to say, you know, uh, you know, we we're, we we love Mises and we named our caucus after after Mises and we advance the the economic teachings and political uh, teachings that that Mises found, to act like that means that we 100% agree with everything he ever wrote and that there wouldn't be things that we disagree with is 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 silly. And I also think that. Uh, many of us were booing those quotes, knowing where Justin was going with that. I mean, as he was reading that, I, I, I know I knew. I was like, oh, these are Mises quotes. And yeah, I disagree with them. And I think Justin's point was even I disagree with some of them. Um, And I think Justin's point is actually being completely disregarded by the people who are uh, just like possessed with this you know, Mises caucus derangement syndrome where they uh, essentially uh, what Justin was saying was let's not like, you know, demonize people or refuse to work with people just because we have disagreements with them. And it's like, I think Justin was kind of saying that to everybody and also kind of about himself. Like, listen, you might not agree with me on something, but if we're going to define libertarianism so narrowly that, um, that like I'm not a libertarian. That like Justin Amash isn't a libertarian. He's like then we're in trouble, <laughs> and he's a hundred percent right. He's a hundred percent right. Um, I thought his speech was fantastic, and you know to act like everyone in the Mises Caucus was 
triggered by his speech is is just, you know, I, I, I want to call it propaganda, but propaganda almost implies that these people have power to influence the conversation, and they really don't, but it, it's still just a really, it's a really annoying false uh, allegation and sort of like, you know, revisionist history that I see going around all the time, and it, it's just nonsense. Um, so that, that that has popped into my head. Um, I I don't know how many states are Mises Caucus right now, um, but it's. I mean, I think it's around two thirds, but I I couldn't say for sure. Um, let's see. Do a couple more tweets or questions here. Oh, I don't know if uh, Mr. Brady uh, is still here, but I'm going back through my timeline and seeing a disagreement we had that we never actually fully uh, um, hashed out. Um, but uh, it looks like he deleted the tweet, so maybe, maybe he uh, changed his mind. Um, this kind of goes into what I was just saying about Justin Amash, but it's just like... I, let me listen. Uh, I don't... I'm obviously an anarchist. I mean, that's why, like, my, my Twitter handle is Biblical Anarchy, right? Um, and I do believe that—I I, want to be clear about a couple things. I do believe that anarchy is the consistent form, you know, the, and, the, and the logical end of libertarianism. And I also think that um, we need to be careful to, like I was saying before, not fall into, uh, you know— Mistakes that the old guard of not just the Libertarian Party, because I don't I don't want to make this podcast just always about the party. But I think the party is often representative of the movement sometimes. And I think the movement has struggled just as the party has in terms of voices being out there who I think oscillate between two extremes that are both not helpful. Right. Because we have on one hand. People, people who go like double down on being super pragmatic and watering down the message and trying to appeal to the middle. You know, I mean, it's like the meme of fiscally conservative and uh, socially liberal, right? And I think that is not helpful, obviously. I think that um, uh, to, to say that uh, – all you know to define libertarianism in such like vague sort of centrist uh lukewarm ways is is detrimental it doesn't inspire people it doesn't it doesn't actually communicate anything that that's going to make someone really uh dig deep into the issues that matter um you know like i refuse to believe that you know i mean maybe it exists but it's got to be the rare exception that Gary Johnson inspired anyone to look into like Austrian economics or inspired anyone to look into the Federal Reserve or monetary policy uh, who, who inspired someone to look into the the reasons why, uh, you know, 9-11 happened and the years of military interventionism and regime change that that led up to that and our role in in inspiring, uh, you know, the. Uh, the, the violence that has happened in the Middle East. And 
you know, I think people in the Mises Caucus crowd tend to, you know, agree with me on that. I think another danger, though, is going too far in, like, the opposite direction where we're just, like, like scorched earth, pure radical anarchist libertarians, and we're almost, like, you know, it, it's like... It's like on one hand, you have people who will scream fiscally conservative and social, socially liberal until they're blue in the face. And then on the other hand, you have people that like, you know, any conversation just boils down to taxation, just theft. And, you know, the state is illegitimate and it needs abolished. And then it's like, OK, but this, you know, people are going to have their reaction to those statements and then they're still going to have questions about all these different things in society that they would want to know how they would work without the government. And although I, I definitely think that the moral argument is important, it can't be all we have. And I think that my concern is not so much, I don't want to divide in the movement. Um, if we're talking about like dividing lines, I don't want to draw dividing lines. Um, and ostracize people based upon if we're anarchists or we're minarchists. And I think that even includes people who would fall under the umbrella of, of classically liberal. Um, you know, I, I think that we need to have more allies in this movement. You know what I mean? I think libertarian movement needs to be as big as possible while maintaining, you know, a, a core of what libertarian is libertarianism is. And, you know, that core being private property rights, the non-aggression principle, and limited government. And I think, you know, the, the, I think we all tend to agree on private property rights and the non-aggression principle. You know, we just, we, we all have kind of maybe different, different views of what limited government looks like. And um, I obviously think that I want polycentric, you know, full full market anarchy government. And I think that's the best form of limited government. But there's some people who think, no, we still need monopoly government, but we need it to be at least, you know, to small localized geographical areas where that's more feasible and that people have more choices rather than, you know, a giant one that sits over 330 million people. And then you have some people who would go, yeah, we need decentralization, but we also need checks and balances and really something like the Constitution, you know, maybe with some some changes in hindsight of where the Constitution went wrong, you know, is, is a better form of limited government. And that's kind of more like what a classical liberal would say. I have disagreements with the minarchist and the classical liberal, but are we are we moving the ball of liberty forward if we... Uh, divide over a disagreement over, you know, put it this way. Right now, <laughs> the separation we have as anarchists between, you know, anarchism and, and, and minarchists' position and then the minarchists and anarchists and the classical liberals is is infinitesimally small compared to the giant gap between all three of those and the status quo, all right? I mean... Radical, like like consistent classical liberals and the way they want to go back to the Constitution 
and 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 actually adhere to it, that almost would look like anarchy to your average statist or your average, you know, uh, Republican or Democratic politician today, right? So it's like you know we're not we're not going to have anarchy all at once tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to have minarchy all at once tomorrow. Um, we got to start somewhere, and so I I don't want to confuse the moral argument with, you know, with, with praxis again. And I, I think, I don't think it's a division between the classical liberals and the minarchists and the anarchists. Rather, I think it's a division between people who are red-pilled and people who are blue-pilled, for lack of a better way of, of, of explaining it. Because I think some people are, I know people who are anarchists, who hate the Mises Caucus and who uh, you wouldn't know they're anarchists because they water down everything. Um, and they're way more... It, it's like, put it this way, there's some people who stand on principle first and try to boldly tell the truth, kind of like in the way Ron Paul did, and to convince people through moral and empirical argumentation of why the government is uh, screwing up in either X, Y, or Z area and why we need to go to more of a free market, limited government um, society. Then you have some people who seem to, you know, this is kind of more like what the old regime did, where it's like, oh no, be people are already, like everyone's a libertarian and, and we just have to like convince people that we're just like them and... Uh, almost like, you know, just trick people into voting libertarian. And and let's not scare them off with radical stances that, you know, that, that, that aren't popular. Um, it, it's sort of like, you know, trying to, it, it's almost like, that's way more of a, that, that is a huge issue to me. And I would rather side with a red-pilled classical liberal than a blue-pilled anarchist any day of the week. Um, so, you know, to, to, to all my, my Mises caucus friends and acquaintances, um, to, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind as, 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 uh, as you journey forward, um, is to not divide over the, again, in comparison to each other, our differences are infinitesimally small. Um, compared to the status quo, and we can, you know, let's let's try to create a society where our differences are big, and then we can hash those out, right? But we're nowhere close to that, and so there's no point in. I mean, I guess it can be fun to have those those philosophical conversations. Don't get me wrong, but we shouldn't divide on it. Um, it, it it's just it's just silly and unhelpful. Um, it's it's sort of like. Christians do the same things where they're like, um, well, we, you know, it's like, well, this church, uh, we agree with them on, uh, opposing this woke ideology that's trying to, you know, drag our children down into this weird secular demonic, uh, you know, woke agenda, but we can't side with them because they believe in infant baptism or something. It's just like, you know, 
you know, um, or in the same way, like, you know, some of my Protestant uh, brothers and sisters uh, get get really triggered by things that the Catholic Church does. And I'm just like, listen, I, I have my disagreements with the Catholic Church, but man, right now, I'll take a based Catholic over uh, a blue-pilled statist, uh, you know, reformer, re- reformed or Protestant Christian, of which there are many. So, um, you know, I, I I think we need to exhibit some common sense in terms of prior prioritizing the not just the issues, but but the approach, right? Like, I, I think the approach matters, and um. I'm I'm really hesitant to divide over things that were that are nowhere close to mattering right now. It's like, you know, the the minarchist who thinks that we need a monopoly court in a geographic area, whereas I would want, you know, full market governance where you could have competing courts within a good geographic area. Neither of us are getting what we want right now. <laughs> so, let's work together. And, you know, if we're lucky, maybe our children or grandchildren can actually have a meaningful argument about, well, should we have a monopoly court in this area or should we allow for, you know, market competition uh, of of legal systems? Um, So I think I'll end there. We're at an hour and 18 minutes. So um, it it was fun to get back into the swing of things here after my long hiatus. Um, I think I'm going to be doing uh, this kind of thing going forward i think probably uh i think saturday nights fr- friday or saturday nights i'm gonna be doing like an hour hour and 15 minute live stream uh for the foreseeable future um some of it will be q a's and reacting to to twitter stuff like this and you know some of it will be reacting to articles or reacting to other videos so uh, again if you guys have anything you know that you want to submit for me to look at whether it's like an article you want me to react to or a podcast that um, that, you know, someone was criticizing, uh, the link between Christianity and libertarianism, or like if it's like Christians advocating for war or something like that, uh, or advocating for some other, you know, statist position, um, you know, you know, definitely send that kind of stuff to me, uh, cause I, I'd like to, that's the kind of stuff I want to kind of go into on these live streams. So, um, and you know, again, the announcements and stuff that are coming up, uh, I'm going to be posting links in uh, I don't have the links right now while this is live, but once it's, you know, just up in the the regular, you know, YouTube form where you can go back and watch it or if it's on the audio uh, podcast section, uh, the links will be there for you to go to the website and see the announcements. And, uh, you know, even if this is in the future and the announcements have already been made, you can click on it and, and see what I got going on because I am, again, really super excited uh, for what is in store here in the next month um, and beyond that. So uh, I thank everybody for watching. And those of you who were here in the comments uh, with good good back and forth banter and questions, I hope everyone has a, uh, a good uh, Sunday tomorrow, um, you know, wh- whatever you're doing, church, um, spending time with your family, resting. And uh, yeah, until next time, remember, don't fear the fire. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.